Hello, and welcome to this episode of Such Nightmare Conversations About Horror. My name is Catherine Troyer, and I'm so excited, as always, that I get to be joined by Tony Tresca. Hey there! This is a podcast where the horrifically nerdy meets the terrifyingly academic, as we explore that fine line between the horrific and the horrible. Each episode looks at a specific horror text that is for better or worse, giving us nightmares. And we are so excited to have you join us for our 75th episode, where we are going to be talking about the television show Ash vs. Evil Dead. This episode has been a long time coming and serves as the culmination of our discussion of the Evil Dead franchise. Yeah, so we we knew that the show existed. I had seen all of season one, most of season two before, but not any of season three. Tony, you hadn't seen any of it. And at first we were like, sure, we'll get to it like in <laughs> as soon as we finish up the, the movies. And then we were like, no, actually, it's three right. seasons, even though it's shorter than like a 24 episode arc. We still had to wait. And so we were like, what if? And I think it was your idea to make it our 75th episode because that's fancy and it's a good show to talk about it's a good show it's a good franchise it's one that we both really enjoyed and it was an added bonus that we got to watch it together it was one of the few that we have watched together we used to watch the films television shows uh uh, together when much earlier on in in the podcast days but ever particularly once covid RIP in person. Once that happened, we just, we kind of hadn't really been able to watch their things together. No, and there were some definite, like, it was, it's actually easier, I think, to record remotely, right? So, like, there were some real strengths, but I, we surprisingly, considering we are 75 official episodes, that's not including all of our eerie extras, we've only seen a handful of things together in, like, side by side. We saw The Exorcist together. We had that whole summer we were having like movie days. Um, we saw the new Chucky together. And then and then we got to see this night. You're right. It added something a little extra special to to get to watch it together to hear each other laugh and all that good stuff. And to get to add in have like commentary as we're going. Yes, yes. Which is always fun. Or like always pa- fun. pausing to do Wikipedia searches. And yes. Like just going onto the fandom websites and being like, oh, that's who that character is. Yes. That's what that's referencing or Oh, did you know that it took this amount of blood on this episode? (laughs) Yes. It's like, you know, fun facts like that. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) So if you were to have to, because I'm going to force you, to do like a a short summary of, of the series, how would it go? So I would say it's essentially this and this is my kind of reading of it it's almost kind of a retelling of the each film so the Hmm. first series is really set around the original house uh that the first one is the second one is a little bit out there because it's kind of set in uh, in the house with the with the book of the dead but it's also in a new town so it's back in ash's original town so it's less about house more about town Mm -hmm. and then the final is kind of very similar to the third evil dead there's more of a fantasy element to it with the knights in it and it kind of goes more global and like everything is about to be affected so 
I kind of think see it as a development of almost small house to in kind of small community to a bit of a town and then to kind of a zoom out global global kind of conflict. That's yeah. really lovely. I hadn't I'd never thought about it that way. But what you say makes perfect sense, especially because if we think about the relationship between Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2, where you're like, they're kind of the same film, but they're not at all the same film. Right. (laughs) Season one and season two are kind of the same season, but also not the same. Yeah, that's exactly right. Because I think literally, like in terms of what the plot is of Mm -hmm. season one and season two, they're the same. They have a lot of different characters, different setting and different kind of like how characters react to the situation, which is what makes it so much fun. But they're very similar. Season two has the added bonus, I think, of having Ash's dad in there. Yes. Played by a fantastic character actor. Yes. Who, he's so fun. Yes, he is. He he rivals Bruce Campbell. You're like, you don't think anyone could really, who can like kind of like put Bruce Campbell in his place because he's so like powerful on screen. (laughs) Yeah. So what's great about the series is, is that it's unlike many remakes, not so much adaptations, but remakes, right? They are banking on your nostalgia, but they're not asking you to to forget the past. In fact, they are relying on you to be familiar with the first three films because the, the series starts with this very funny premise that is only funny if you've seen the three films, and that is that the savior of humanity is a not very good employee at a, a hardware store, right? And that he is wearing a girdle and... <laughs> you know, like really, really extra gross that like his his hand, you know, is this, this like wooden thing. I mean, like we get to see that's what's funny about it, right? Is that we're seeing the ash of the first three films when he's no longer had to be fighting the evil dead. And, and I it, like it's, that. It's kind of similar. You're like, you leave him exactly where he left off in the at the end of the third film in that store. They have the comic book series, Ash versus Freddy yes. versus Jason explored a similar premise in which Ash had not moved on from that same convenience store yes. and was still there until he got pulled out by different different forces of evil. And I guess in Ash versus the Evil Dead, there's no reason why that those events couldn't have also happened too. Correct, correct. Uh, so perhaps canonically even, uh, Interesting. He, this version of Ash has been there. But I think it's fitting that he's there because this Ash clearly has a lot of just PTSD yes. and things that he is repressing and ignoring. Yes. And so since he's not willing to kind of acknowledge any of that stuff and move on, he's just staying exactly where he is. And yes. honestly, when we first meet him, he seems pretty Jay Chillum. Not yeah. exactly, and not exactly the, he's a, aggressively optimistic despite he's, it all. Yeah, and he's also like, not just as in spite at all of like, in spite of, you know, the fact that he knows that there's evil dead and things like that, but also despite the fact that like, he's middle-aged and isn't bringing much to the table, right? Like he, his ability to flirt with women is in no way proportional to what <laughs> he's, he's bringing to the table, but he's just so optimistic. I think that's a, a aggressively optimistic. I think that's a great phrase. And this show also reminds us of something that a lot of the scholars of Evil Dead that we've looked at in some of our um, film episodes have talked about. And that is, is that Ash is the final guy or final boy instead of final girl. But one of the tenets of being a final person is that you're just average, right? There's nothing extraordinary mm-hmm. about you. And so what would a person who's average when they are no longer in a fight or flight situation do continue to be average, right? So so we see that that's, that's where he's been the last few years, um, except for, right, underneath it, we're going to start seeing this like hero complex emerge. 
And that's honestly kind of like a theme of the whole show Yes, is that it is just this kind of celebration of, I don't want to say averageness or like mediocrity and like, in like a negative way, but it is just being like this, you just come as you are, you don't have to be extraordinary, you can do extraordinary things. Yes. And I think our two additional main characters, right, that that join Ash, Pablo, and Kelly. Fantastic characters. Yes. Everything about the characters, from the character designs to the actors they chose, emphasize that theme, right? Because especially in the first season, Pablo is just one of Ash's coworkers who thinks Ash is really cool, but that's really his only, like, qualifier. Kelly is, you know, just another disenfranchised teenager essentially like young adult again brings nothing to the table yeah a co-worker a co-worker right yeah and and then as the series progresses so one of the things that we <laughs> came up frequently in season two that we'd say aloud and then in season three we would say it like every every few episodes and that was that the actor who played pablo like he was buffing up he was, seriously yes. by season three he was just I mean, he was, so ripped. Yeah. And that fits. <laughs> could be in a Marvel movie. I mean, he, re- he really could be. <laughs> Maybe it, he should, honestly. Actually, I, he would be, I would love He'd to be, see him in more I, stuff that actor. Actually, he should be where all of, all of these act like uh, Ray and Santiago, that's who plays Pablo, and Donna De Lorenzo plays Kelly. She, both they of are them need amazing. more work. Yes. They are exceptional. Yes. They also are able to kind of. And I think I was kind of initially intrigued to see how Ash would work in a team unit because I think so much of the Evil Dead has kind of franchise has really relied on you just accepting that Ash is this, you're only following it. Yes, It's not really, but everyone else there is just going to be bodies to be used in this horror spectacle. Yes. There's nothing wrong with that. In fact, it's amazing for those three films but I was intrigued to see how he would work playing with others because his whole thing is he doesn't play well with others. Yeah. But I guess that you do that, you get around that by pairing him with other characters who don't play well with others. Yes. And, and forcing them to play. <laughs> and I honestly, I can think of very few other examples where a series has so successfully brought on new characters that can truly hold their own and complement the OG characters. I, I mean, I know there are examples. I think Buffy managed to do that with a couple of the characters that they added, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But that's where you're like, oh, oh no, we're adding this character three seasons on and everyone's grown to love these characters over three seasons. People have grown to love Ash over like 40 years. Yeah. You know, and it's not just <laughs> Ash, it's Bruce Campbell, right? And right. so like, that is a we- huge task. Again, just Bruce Campbell, just uh, he really is just a force to behold. We got this chance to see him. Oh, he was last so great. November, it was so fantastic, and he he really is just as charismatic in per in in person as he is on the screen. Yes, as, as he is on the screen. Uh, he's if you ever if anyone who's listening to this, if you ever get the opportunity if he comes by and does one of his like screen alongs, you should jump on that as fast as you can because. He's smart, he's funny, mm-hmm. he's knowledgeable. You know, sometimes we have to remember that we don't pay actors to to be articulate. We pay them to emote, right? And to be other people. But he is his own person. He is just so bright. And because he helped Raimi yeah, I think- with so much of it, he's like, and here's how we broke down the scene because we were a team of two. Yeah, and I think it was, he got a question when, here, when he was here in, in San Antonio back in November. Somebody was like, you, are you going to do any, are you going to make any, any more uh, Evil Dead stuff? And, and Bruce Campbell's like, well, have you watched Ash versus the Evil Dead? And the fan was like, 
well, no, I mean, like, are you going to make any real evil dead stuff? And he then got so, yeah, so angry at this person, yeah. which that was another thing I liked too, is like, he was not afraid to put, to like put people, he was like disagreeing yeah. with people who were paying to see him, which I thought yes, was like, I that know. was interesting too. And I they thought, were eating it up, right? They ate it up. Oh, they loved being yeah. roasted by Bruce Campbell yeah. because he was then just like, then you don't even know what you're talking about. That is the evil dead to me. Yeah. That is like, I, he's like, I put it all into that, yeah. te- into this TV show. And I think it really shows he, they fought in the production. They were, they were really picky about who they would go to produce it because they didn't want to produce like a sanitized yes. or like clean version of the show. Yes. They were like, we're only going to do it if we can do it the right way where we can take the time we need to do and we can hire who we want to hire yeah. and do this the right way. And as a, as maybe if you haven't listeners, if you couldn't tell by, uh, our discussion thus far, <laughs> we agree with the Bruce yes. Campbell and they clearly put it all in there. Yes. And I think it goes back to, again, that they, the the more I say this, and I've been saying it a lot lately, I know, but the more I say it, the more convinced I am of it's sort of like resonating truth. And that is, is that you cannot lure people in with nostalgia, but then expect them to ignore or forget everything else. Like, and, and so this show was like, you, we want you. We are celebrating our what we have done previously by creating the show, not we are creating the show to, quote, fix or alter anything. And so everything that you like about those initial three movies, so from the campiness to, of course, just Bruce, to the amazing physical, practical effects, to the sheer amount of blood, like all of that is, is going to stay. And that's just fan-fantastic. Speaking of blood, in a article on The Nerdist, Dana DeLorenzo said that just in the first scene of season two, just in the first season, her character, just her character, had 26 gallons of fake blood set aside. Bruce wow. Campbell's character and Lucy Lawless's character also each had 26 gallons of fake blood. And that is <laughs> so much fake blood. That's, I mean, it's like an astronomical amount. That Jesus, that's yeah. so much blood. Yeah, that's wow. so that's, that's one why... scene, right? But if but that scene had a lot of blood. And and I think that's this show knows what we have come to see and what we are excited to see. And and part of what we want to see is just sheer amounts of blood splattering people when they are chainsawing someone to death. Yeah, and they do a lot of that. They, I think that uh it certainly consistently delivers on violence and I think and violence and mayhem in like the most fun campy way possible. It's always just like things flying off in the way that just you're like, how, how I love it. How? (laughs) And there's so many things that you just didn't know you were ever going to see in your life slash that you never knew you needed. That is like that morgue scene. Yes. Like the morgue <laughs> scene in season two. In season two. Which, <laughs> yeah. If, if you've seen the show, you know exactly what scene we're talking about. If you haven't. You're probably scarred. You, yeah. I mean, a hundred percent scarred. Um, <laughs> There's Ashy Slashy. So we have this whole battle confrontation with Ash fighting a puppet version of himself. Uh, you know, there's, there's just so much that the show which is like, you, let's do this. You have, you have we do. your own yeah. ashy slashy puppet, yes. which we, we set up while we were we watching We did, it. we did. Yeah. So <laughs> I got it for stuff one year for her birthday and I had to like order it on eBay, but buy it from someone in England. Cause it, they were, you know, by the time we were watching the show, there was no things that you could buy from the show because they had all sold out so fast. Of course. Yeah. The fandom's crazy. Yes, yes. 
And again, we saw some of that intensity in in our experience with Bruce Campbell. We saw one person whose question was like, one time we saw you having a discussion with someone. Can you verify what it was about? And he was like, I it was don't. Sam Raimi. Yeah. It was like, were you yeah. having, it was Sam Raimi that's and right, his brother. That's right. And they were like, on this, on this date in this city at yes. this cafe yes. at, at this time, can you get, can you tell? And then they were like, and then after it, some movie didn't happen. Yeah. And they were like, can you verify was this argument, the reason that yes. whatever scenario happened and he and Bruce Campbell just like, Took his pause. Yeah. Took a second. It just like let everybody realize how insane that was. Yeah. That, that this guy yeah. said that. And then just started popping off. And, <laughs> it was hilarious. And then there was another um, gentleman who had legally changed his name to Bruce. Remember? Right. And again, <laughs> Bruce Campbell was even willing to roast them because like, I can't imagine how, how uncomfortable that must be as a celebrity to know that they're to just know that you are in people's homes on a regular basis so that they feel they know you when obviously they don't and you don't know them back. He but he actually like he he gave the gentleman like $20. And he was like, this is for the legal fees. I mean, you know, like people are very intense fans of Bruce. And then there was another person that was like in a battle between Ash and Reanimator, right? And then Bruce Campbell was like, I don't know. What is your thought? Because that's all that matters. So like he did a good job of handling the audience. But it's really important to remember that the, the diehard fans are both Bruce Campbell fans and Ash Williams. And so that is a lot to throw into a TV show. Yeah. So I want to go back to Pablo and Kelly from a sort of like narrative standpoint, as as both of us are writers. Like, what is it that they did that allows those characters to be so strong, independent of the what I think is a huge part of it, and that is the actors. But like, what is it about the writing that makes them be just as significant and likable as as Ash. I think in the same way that it's not the I don't know how much of it is exactly always in the writing for Ash. Yeah, I'm not I really actually I'm not 100% sure how much of it is in the writing, how much of what that line is, because I also from everything I've read, it was a very improvisational space as well. So it's mm. not exactly like every single line is dick exactly specifically dictated. Yeah, yeah. And it sounds like they really modeled these characters around the actors who they found. In the same, I think that's why it works. Yeah. In the same way that Ash is clearly modeled and shaped around Bruce Campbell, the type of performances he can give and the situations that he's good at. I think these other two characters really give like Ray is, Ray Santiago as Pablo is clear is just so good so at good. playing this like kind of lovable side loyal side yes. character type and they, he just he really rounds that out like that's an easy character to just like be forgettable but he really makes it his own due to the performance and I yeah. think he evolves it along the way and he goes on a really interesting journey from being just kind of completely kind of lost and meandering to this powerful. Brujo especially, especially yes. and same thing with Kelly. I think Kelly. Very yeah, by the end, she's. I mean, it'd be easy to imagine that in a season four, she would be joining those knights and or taking them over. Um, because exactly. she's because she's become this like badass, yeah, military extraordinaire. I, I think you're right. I think it is the performances, and so 
you know, because I say it regularly, how much I hate the concept of auteurs, because oftentimes when they say auteur, what they really mean is asshole, right? Because they're like, they just have such a vision. And yes, it involves torturing everyone on set. But isn't that neat, the result we get? And I think that Raimi, even though he wasn't directing at all, right, it's still his vision, it's still his environment, and, and, and Bruce as well, that they prove what can happen, the goodness that can happen in an auteur setting where you can create an environment where people feel comfortable enough improving, developing the character where they don't feel stifled to just do this one vision. And that that requires incredible trust of, of your executive producers, of your directors. And I'm so happy it happened, right? Because Lucy Lawless is also fantastic. We haven't really talked about her, but she does a great job in the show. And and I think it's for the similar reason, right? She's being she's improving and being a version of herself that we have come to know through things like Xena, right? And that works really well too. Yeah. And I, I think that the Ruby's character is the one of the is the one of the weaker ones. Um, she certainly is by season three. By season three, particularly, because I think she has just gone through her motivations by season three are just so unclear. Yes. You're just like she changes loyalties just seemingly at whim. And by season three has kind of forgotten all of the character growth yes. that she went through in the first two seasons. Yes. So I think I actually I, maybe it is just season three that in my and that's the one I've just we've just watched most recently. Right, right. So it's that's one front sticking in my mind. But I think the first two seasons having her start as kind of this evil character kind of go along and kind of then help change her way was working. But then by the third season, I guess they were like, we needed a big bad. We got to have right. we got to go bigger back to the back to the immortal dark ones. Plot. Right, right. <laughs> So and and again and you gave me a good counter show in in the good place which from the beginning he knew exactly what he was going to do for each, each season but I, I think this is a plight of of many shows many book series particularly those where they may have a really clear plan for season one, but they haven't thought through because they don't know if they'll be renewed yet. And that is, is that you start with a sort of micro scale. It's real internal. You know, it's, it's Ash versus the deadites that are in his trailer park, for example. Right? It's Ash versus the deadites that are in the cabin. And then you become global, right, over time. And lots and lots right. of dystopian series have done this. Shows like Supernatural did it. They started out just hunting like vampires. By the end, they were dealing literally with God. Yeah. And it doesn't, it's not my favorite thing to see because I'm not sure I've ever really seen it done effectively. Like, because whatever was good about your show or series doesn't always stay present once you go global. And I think that might be true with with season three and why it, it doesn't quite work in the same way. So season three is still set in the same town, but season two is set in Elk Grove. But the town itself kind of honestly feels like it's lot of, lost a lot of the life in yes. trying to go so global. You kind of forget the other. What's worked so well about season two I, it was that I really liked seeing Ash in this town setting. Yes. Coming into this place where he had 30 years later after with a lot of very weird relationships with people yes. coming, coming into this town that had a lot of life. Whereas, yes. and you'd think that when you go global, you go, you'd have the chance to go into even more life. But I think in, in this case, particularly because they were also adding in in season three, they added in another character as a, another character on top yes. of all of these characters we already have and Ash's 
long lost daughter who got there, but I know it took a little while for yeah. our, our watch party to warm up to her. <laughs> it really did. And and so this is a good example of how it could be hard to add characters to an established team because yes. what what is an 100% normal real world reaction of this is ridiculous is not the reaction any of us who've been with this group of people want to face, right? And I think that's one of the things that was nice about Pablo and Kelly is that Pablo immediately, even almost without any evidence, right? Ash was like, by the way, there's evil in the world. And he's like, you're so right, Hefe. <laughs> he's like, and like there was- Well, I guess he believed his uncle. Yes, um, yes. But he like immediately, great, yeah, great he did too. have it. That's true. He had his uncle, but even, I think even if his uncle hadn't been present, his like faith in Ash is he, so great. Yeah. <laughs> but it was just like, whatever you say, sir. And you know, Kelly's family is killed so quickly in that first episode, first two episodes that there's no like, but is this real? Yeah, it's just they immediately jump on. Whereas Ash's daughter, understandably, maybe a little based on how one would react in the real world, takes takes a long time to believe Ash, to trust Ash. And maybe if we knew it wasn't going to wrap up that season, right? But knowing that it was going to end in season three, it was very frustrating to have so much time spent with her being again understandably but just a moody teenager when it was like we have literally bigger things to deal with i think this kind of could have worked a little bit better if you're i think you're absolutely right if it had been spread out over time because i actually think she serves it served an interesting character foil to ash because she really did something that none of the other characters that that we'd ever seen ash really be able to do was really challenge him in any serious way yes yes. because his fault he would just leave just go away and didn't really clearly did not respect his dad's judgment on that. But when his daughter was able, she was able to get him to change his mind. And so I thought that was actually an interesting relationship yes. to have there. But it was at the expense of all of these other characters getting to spend time with Ash because the other big problem was the team was broken up so yes. much for thir- this third season, which it was not in the first two seasons. It was always like, no matter really what scene you were in, you were always had that ash pablo and kelly yes. together and like sometimes you would have the sheriff the sheriff in the first right. season it, the other care a lot of the different side characters yes. in the second season but then the third season it was really like ash and his daughter are here pablo and kelly are sometimes together sometimes pablo is just by himself yes ruby's by herself on another side plot yes. a lot of the times and so it was just kind of disjointed and in yes. a, and since we were like yeah like i think like you said since we knew we were gonna have to wrap it up here if we had gotten to see that fourth season in the future space season, yeah, yeah. Uh, maybe, yeah, I'm like, yeah, sure, this could be a great building season. But they weren't also treating it like that story-wise. They were really right. globalizing and trying to wrap up. Right, right. And like. wrap up stuff that could have been dropped, you know, just in general, or wrapping up stuff that they had to wrap up. But I, I think you're right. And this, again, is a consequence when you go bigger. There's more that has to be done. So the characters have to logically split up to tackle the tasks right and so lots of shows do this lots and lots of shows lots and lots of books but the thing that sometimes i think people forget is that it's not just the narrative that is exciting to us it's the dynamic of these characters together and so we lose not only sort of the intimacy of the cabin hometown narrative but we lose the one of the magics of the show and that is is that pablo kelly and ash actually do manage to to hold their own and to be really funny together but i think you're right about the daughter 
minus that admittedly big component of her personality, I liked what she brought to Ash. And I liked how they had Ash be like, this is my job. You're my daughter. And he just kind of accepted it so quickly and became, I think, kind of grew up a little because of it. But Mm -hmm. there was none of the things I was worried that they would do. Like, never, ever once did he make a creepy joke about her. He did about her friend. He did about her friend. Which which was like, you could tell the writers (laughs) were like... They were like, we know that Ash, it's like, it is in character for Ash to do something horrible and disgusting like that. But they were like, they was, it was, they were like, but we're not going to actually do it to his daughter. We'll take this random person who's going to die. Yes. (laughs) So that was, you know, like a a nice way to keep him true to his his core, but also add in this element. And of course, there are moments where he's like telling her gross things about how she was conceived. But all parents seem to think that's acceptable. So, yeah, I think that like... What we gained with her was getting to kind of see what Ash could have been like if he hadn't fled town because the town saw him as a serial killer. And if he had, you know, managed to not just become a replica of his own dad. And and that was that was a fun thing to see. And it also allowed us to have that final moment where he was, you know, riding off to defeat the big bat alone. So we've clearly articulated that season three for lots of reasons, wasn't able to be our our favorite. If you were to have to pick between season one and two, though, would you be able to? I think I liked season two the most. I think it was the one because I could tell initially, like, I remember commenting on this, like, immediately after we finished the first episode of season two. I was like, oh, wow, you can clearly tell they got a lot more money this season. Well, they each Uh, had 26 gallons of blood. And they used it well, like a... Normal, like you can't always tell sometimes, like sometimes you're like, oh my God, this was $300 million. (laughs) Why does it look so terrible? But then like this, I was like, oh, wow, that looks great. They might, I was like, they must have more money because I, or, or the artist, but and a lot of times I know it's just the blending of the practical and the CG. Well, that's what makes it. And that's what this show does just so consistently well. But I think I liked the second season more overall, too, just because the town going back in the town was really interesting. Getting to see Ash um, with like his old high school sweethearts, uh, exploring a town with a history that we didn't quite know. And so we got to kind of like learn as well. I think the first season was a really fun trip down. I think it was a really fun nostalgia trip. Because it really was. It was like a trip straight to the old haunted house from Evil Dead. And it was real. I was like, I got to the end of the first season. I was like, that was really great. That was a lot of fun. It was very, I was like, it was very similar to the first Evil Dead and the vibe. Just with some more characters and fleshed out situation and some more weenie things there for some reason. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think I agree with you. So I think in some ways... Season two is was trying to build a in places a, a bit more complicated of a plot than they needed to. That didn't always quite pay off. But it's the season that had the most memorable gags. It's the season where the actors are at their best in terms of as a cohort, as you know, developing their characters. Even the car gets to have its own like narrative. Yes, um, yes, yeah. that's right. I forgot yeah. about that. Yeah, and like that's you said, so we, we get the dad, and I, the dad was really hysterical because you know, like you said, we've just spent the previous season thinking of Ash as Hefe, and then his dad comes along and he's like, "Listen here, Ashley," <laughs> you know, <laughs> and he's like, "Dad," you know, and that's that's great. And I, this is the statement I'm about to make is one of those like. Be careful what you say because it could come true and I'm not sure I want it to come true. But I I would actually enjoy 
a series set in that town, even if it didn't have Ash, but it was kind of a within that world. Interesting. You know, it wouldn't be as good if it didn't have Ash, don't get me wrong. But I could even see, I would really, if I, if I could have my first choice, it would be a show about Pablo and Kelly staying in that town as their home base for like their kick-assing lifestyle. But, monster hunting business. Yeah, yeah. but... They but, start an LLC together. See, I mean, that would be adorable. And then they sell their fish and chips on the side so that yeah. uh, Pablo <laughs> can continue living the dream. Because I thought that the the set design was so interesting. In the town. In the town. Because, and at the high school. And the high school. Yeah. Because they, they managed to create a town that felt haunted. And not haunted in the same way that that many small towns, or not exclusively haunted in the same way that many small towns do, where they're just losing commerce and things like that. Like, there were times that there were, like, buildings next to each other that didn't make any sense, right? Like, and, and or, like, angles that just kind of looked off, or lighting that just, like, there was no lighting on that public street, main street. And it would have just, I think it would have been enjoyable to to see more of the town as a character, in the second season, too? In the second season, too. Especially, honestly, I would have, instead of going global, I think it would have been hysterical if we would have found that the root of all evil was in Michigan. You yeah, know, just, like, or, just in yeah. the town right next over. Like, yeah. That, the tri-state like, area. Like. Yes. <laughs> yeah, like, I think that would have been funnier and and, e- I, and easier to, to do uh, because of that. Also, I think the third season kind of breaks away a little bit from this kind of Something that I think is at the core of the first two seasons, and I'm not sure if it first two seasons were much more focused on like this app, the averageness, I think of them. Whereas I think the third season is like everyone, every single character has to become like the super powered, charged, upgraded version of of themselves because like it's so global, like they're like Ash. Now you is your chance to not be this ordinary loser character anymore. And I was like. I don't know. I kind. I was like. Yeah. I. I thought. I kind of liked that. It despite all of that other stuff. Yes. This was. He was still able to do it. I thought that was kind of the at the root of it. And I guess it was interesting to see it kind of grow up, grow up. But it was a little fast and out of yes. nowhere. I was like, yeah. I, I mean, think that's where that like tension. I'm like, Pablo literally becomes not just a brujo, but a brujo, especially Al, right? Special. Like a special brujo. Uh, you're so very right, and. And there were so many moments in the first couple of seasons where some of the the funniness is that these very average people are doing so much better at the slaying than like the militia, like right. not seen with the the militia. And and Ted, oh my god, that yes, yeah, and Ted <laughs> Raimi, his whole character in season two. I just saw Ted Raimi yeah. posted it on social media that when they were making the the movie Coraline, Neil Gaiman's Coraline, that they based the dad off of Ted Raimi. It's like really? physicality. That's yeah. so funny. I see and, it. I see yeah. it now. And Ted Raimi was like, oh my gosh, this makes me so happy because I think he might be the most delightful human ever. Um, <laughs> but like his character was great. But like seeing these super average people like just doing the evil kicking where these like military trained individuals were not, that was one of its best parts. And I think you're right. We lose that in, in the third season as Kelly, you know, I mean, Kelly's even got the arc where she's not Kelly and she's not know. Kelly. But she becomes the source. She becomes a sorcerer. Yeah. Pablo is Brujo Especial and Ash is the chosen one, li- chosen one, which is, it's an element that's present in all evil dead yes. things yes. that he is chosen but i all but i always liked that he was he was chosen but he always kind of felt kind of put on and yeah. he was like it was wrong 
It's like, there's that, whereas in the third season, everybody by that point, I think, I mean, and I guess it's like rightly so. He had done a, he's done yeah, a lot of really good. Yeah. It makes sense. It's a natural conclusion. But it just, I don't know. Maybe I think yeah. it just felt a little rushed and at it. Rushed. Yes. Yeah. And and then there was also a, a scene that I think is worth talking about in the third season because it was a long scene that didn't work in 2022. May not have even worked in the time that it aired, but certainly didn't in 2022. And that was, there was a, you know, the, the scene in the high school where it was admittedly them being ripped apart by deadites but honestly at this point any school violence is too too real and too true and and even though that was only one moment in a very long in an otherwise you know 10 hours of content or not 10 right yeah about six yeah six you know it it didn't work and it didn't work in part because every other time that we had a really intense bloodbath scene there was still some source of comedy i think you know he's fighting his puppet form or he's fighting himself but but there was that that scene was just about terror and 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 again it's it's complicated by watching it now but but there was a tonal thing that wasn't quite right mm-hmm. I, I i think that the third season went a little bit took maybe took itself a little bit too seriously yeah. you even have and the I, like upside down place but ash versus evil dead style right like where yeah. we have that like scene that's more or less from stranger things but green instead Which, of and it and it was yeah. i mean like this was this came out after stranger yeah. things so they're like oh other uh, other world that yeah. they go to. <laughs> on the other side uh-huh. they're like mm-hmm, the yeah. upside down it's just saying <laughs> yeah that. Uh, yeah, you. I was. You. I think we had yeah. said it while we were watching. Yeah, like, it's we were just like a different filter. Yeah, they've just changed yeah. the filter color. Yeah. <laughs> Whereas at its best moments in in season one and two and, and moments in three, you know, you can't you can't mistake the show for any other franchise, and that's yeah. amazing because as we've worked our way through other franchises, I think that's that holds true for the other ones too. But at some point, it, it must just be hard to keep on keeping on with whatever is at the core of a film that came out in the 80s. Yeah. And especially with the character of Ash, because if you go back and listen, people who are listening, if you go back and listen to our episodes on on the three films, we talk a lot about how we're supposed to interpret Ash's masculinity and whether or not this is like a character that is triumphing sort of despite his masculinity or because of his masculinity, despite his femininity or because of it. And to put Ash Williams into the 2010s is not an easy move, right? Because like he's kind of vile at times, you know, but like, yeah, he's a a sleazeball. I mean, they open, they're like, he's a, he's racist. He's a, he's a sec, he's a misogynist and he is, He's a great, he's way too much all the time. Yes. Uh, he has, but he's also a character who is incredibly traumatized and yes. has like, has incredible amounts of PTSD and it's just like hiding yes. so much. And so it's like, uh, I think it's a night, the show only works because it's that constant balance of people calling him out yes. on his, on his, on his, I can't say, uh, but you need to fill in the yes. explicative that yes. I, <laughs> there. Yes. Because Kelly is immediately like, nope. And Pablo yeah. is often like, and then Pablo will be like, actually, Jefe, you're not allowed to say that. You know, and, and the way I think you're right, it's the way that Pablo and Kelly respond very emphatically, you know, so that we can laugh because we know that he's he knows it's wrong. Right. And and they're also like at the end of the day, Ash does still like clearly is still willing to stand up for like the people these close people in his life so they're like come on yeah it's, it's his his words this is one of those rare cases where his words 
are worse than his actions, right? Usually people are like, I'm not a racist because I don't say certain words. And then you're like, everything you do is racist. He's kind of the other way around. Like he never it's limits anyone's- I think he's yeah. just a, yeah. it's just every, I think that's his kind of his whole deal and his yeah. motif. And what works so well about the first two seasons is everything is a joke. And I think once the third season kind of is like, no, no. Yeah, because- It's so serious. It's, you're Im- like, it's important to remember that Kelly- and and Pablo, right? His team consists of person of color, and I don't think it's ever clear what Kelly's heritage is supposed to be. Um, they mentioned explicitly that her family is Jewish at one okay, point. Yes, so. and she's a woman, right? So like we have him having a team of exactly who you would think he would have problems with, but he has none, right? He's like, yay, team! Uh, and it's just so much fun. Do you think you'll ever watch the series again? I think so. My partner had mentioned they're interested in seeing it so i think i might watch it because they've been watching they've watched the movies with you oh yeah Yeah. big big evil dead fans big bruce campbell it's bruce big bruce campbell specifically yeah yeah so i think i might i might rewatch it again because it's it was a lot of fun and not terribly long it's really not and it's on netflix right and it's on netflix and the fact that they they had each episode be half an hour was a brilliant decision it is the, a type of show that needs to only be half an hour because it makes everything move so much faster. And that's exactly Brevity what we need. is the soul of wit. <laughs> this is a true cliche. <laughs> so, I think, you know, Bru- Ash has a lot in common with Polonius, I think. Oh, that's interesting. <laughs> yeah, it would be very interesting. And we've talked about this before with mm-hmm. Freddy Krueger, right? And putting him in yeah. the various Shakespeare plays. It would be, I think it would be fun to to do the same thing and to like take something like Hamlet, but make Hamlet be Evil Dead and see if we could, if we could do it. I, um, I, that I would think be fun. we could. I think we, I think <laughs> Very we could Shakespearean. Too. I also would pay to see Bruce Campbell play all the characters in Hamlet. That'd be an awful big undertaking, but I would, I would pay to see that. If anyone wants my $10. Season four. Season, season four, yeah. Four. Evil Dead, but it's not actually Evil oh Dead. Gosh. Well, I mean, it is, but yes. it's all in Shakespeare. Oh my gosh. In rhyming <laughs> I mean, they did fa- Fans did petition for season fours and five of the show. So like there was a point it got canceled and it yeah. got canceled third, like third season and like people were not happy, including the creators. Yeah. Fans were really angry and they petitioned for those additional seasons. And, uh, but it didn't work. And, and Bruce Campbell himself yeah. tweeted out that he was retiring from the character and of I, Ash. I think that's probably why ultimately we didn't get at least a fan based movie. Cause, cause when they were petitioning, that was around the same time that like, not quite, but it was close to around the same time that finally Gilmore Girl- Girls got its limited reboot and Veronica and Mars got its an arrested development. Yeah. yeah. So it would have been the time. So I think it's probably more because because Campbell and probably Ramey and some of the others were like it's time to to move on from this story, um, which and I'm it's, kind of okay with. I'm okay with, and it's not the last. It's not the last thing from Evil Dead because I mean, obviously, franchise gonna franchise. Yeah. But there is an, a, what, at least one more announced movie that's coming yes. out supposedly in 2022. I know, which I feel like. We're halfway through, so... It's called Evil Dead Rises, and it's going to have the same David Garbett, who, this, uh, who is the cinematographer for Ash vs. Evil Dead, is going to be doing the cinematography for Evil Dead Rise 
which I think is uh, a good choice. It's, yes, it's very, because the very cinematography in the show was was stellar. And the cinematography, you were saying uh, for you in the, the last, the 2012 or whatever year it was, the, the remake, 2013. 2013, you know, it just wasn't, it wasn't up to snuff, which is funny considering that the first Evil Dead was basically just Raimi being like, but what if I crawled on these pipes? And held the camera. Oh, and, yeah. Hey, and what can you guys? Can we get up in the in in the yes. boards of yes. the ceiling and like put this camera here and yes. get this wacky shot here? We hold it down. Yeah. And, like hold the camera at this exact angle. Yeah. For like minutes at a time. Like, is that possible? Yeah. And they're like barely. And he's yeah. like, good. Yeah. So so it's not great when your like polished film can't can't match the like. I duct taped a camera to my hand. And I, I think, that, and I think you know, that's what, I think that's what Bruce Campbell was talking about when yeah. he was talking with interviews, talking about why they eventually settled on stars as being the yes. network to do yes. it. And he was like, because they weren't going to sanitize. Sanitize yeah. was a word that he kept coming yeah. back to or clean. Yes. Look of it. He was like, we weren't going to do that. That kind of cleanness that yes. is demanded now. And I, I think that's I the difference. I it think is. the cinematography is, and it's in cinematography, it's in the production design, it's in the yes. how much, it's in the performances. Yes, yes. Uh, and so I'm hoping that this Evil Dead Rise by bringing over the cinematographer and keep, and I know that Campbell and Raimi are producing it. So great, great. I'm like, I'm hopeful. I'm, re- I'm optimistic. Yes. I'm, I'm always down to see more Evil Dead. And I know that there's a video game. There is a video game. Now yes, that, I haven't played it yet because it came out. I swear it came out like the week of finals and I was oh like, gosh. nope. <laughs> and I just haven't had a chance. But, um, but you and I were told that it has some of the characters from, from the TV show. So, so that's really exciting. I'm very excited to play it. I like the company that, that put the game out. I can't remember it off the top of my head, but I like it. I also, again, would be okay having a season that is, I don't know what it'd be called because Pablo and Kelly versus the Evil Dead actually is kind of funny. But like, I, you know, I would also be okay seeing just more of them and the, their characters. Me too. So I, there are options for the Evil Dead that don't rely on Bruce Campbell playing Ash Williams until he is 95. As much as I would watch it. Yeah, I would. <laughs> if if when he and, and Raimi are in the retirement home, probably nearish each other, if they get bored and they decide that they're going to make a retirement home version, I will be the one of the first to line up to see it. But also, I'm kind of glad that like he said, it's time to, to end you, on a you, high note. This is a, he was, he was bonding actually to, because people were campaigning to do exactly what you had mentioned, yeah. put it on, continue it on Netflix's platform yeah. with where it is ultimately now. Right. Uh, but Campbell tweeted out big props to the fans for this effort, but I'm retiring as Ash. Hashtag time to fry some other fish. <laughs> I would love to to hear those of you that are listening. Have you seen the the show? If not, quickly go watch it and then come back and and share with us. Like, what are your thoughts? What what did you really like? What did you have problems with? What would you have liked to have seen if there had been more? Tony, what else? What else do we want people to do? Well, they can check us out on social media or get in touch with us via Gmail, which are included in the description of this podcast. We're pretty active on Twitter, Instagram, all the major social media platforms. So let us know what Except you like. Except for TikTok, like. because I don't Except know how TikTok. to do TikTok. We, too hard. we will n- not be doing any no. TikTok dances. No. Um, I would rather die. <laughs> Honestly, I would rather lay down and die than do a dance. Well, and I know that's not all TikTok is, but like, you will I, never I will, see me do I a TikTok not, dance. I will never ask you to do a TikTok Thank dance. Thank you. Because I would, I mean, we'd be. <laughs> that, 
that is you that yeah. would be our friendship such a nightmare for you oh gosh I, it would and for the viewers such a nightmare but that, think of the conversation about no. horror we could have our <laughs> friendship and our partnership would be over if you forced me to do that so we are on so the other do, social so media don't, so don't check us out on not tiktok at, and let us know what you want to see more of Check out our old episodes. This is 75. Oh, so my God. At least 74 for you to go listen to. Uh, check That's us out wild. wherever you get your podcast from. Yeah, it is. And uh, so, well, since it's our 75th, why not use this time to <gasps> yes. rate, review us, and give us five stars? Yeah. Five stars? Yeah. Five stars, six stars, whatever. Six stars. Um, also, <laughs> what <stars> should they? <laughs> what should they know for, for our next episode? We are going back to a franchise that we've been exploring. We're on our part three of Friday the 13th. So check that out first. That'll be our 76th episode. Oh my gosh. We're going to be diving into that. I've never yes. seen this part three. Have I haven't either. No, we have reached Great. the point where I have seen, well, actually I've seen Freddy versus Jason, obviously, but like there's right. going to be a whole slew of them that I haven't seen starting with this one. This so is I'm, exciting. I'm excited. This is, a, this is the first of the, because you had seen most of the other yeah, films and yeah. franchises that we've worked yes, through. Yes, yes. And so it had been like me kind of being yeah. blind reacting and you being like, oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, but now we both get to go in with a uh, fresh perspective, <laughs> new eyes to, right. a fran- to this franchise. And hey, after part two, I'm actually pretty excited to you see know, what part me three. Too. Never judge a film a fr- film franchise by the first entry. Yes, you never know what you're going to get after exactly, that. Exactly, exactly. And for those of you that are do listen to our episodes that are on books, which we try to do kind of quarterly, soon ish, we will be doing an episode on Alma Katsu's The Fervor, which is a historical horror book set in the Japanese internment camps during world war ii so those of you that are reading you may want to start reading that because tony and i are going to start reading that pretty soon ourselves thank you so much to jackson because jackson edits all of these episodes thank you and to all of you listening especially if you've been listening for 75 episodes thank you so much for listening to our nightmares and have a spooktacular day